Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. WABE in Atlanta. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. The largest street arts festival in this region of the country is the Inman Park Festival. The tour of homes begins today and the arts events continue through Saturday and Sunday. The weather should be nice. And WABE will be in the parade this year. Look for us and cheer us on. We'll hear more about the festivities later this hour. First, you can help us celebrate Earth Day and WABE because not only is it Earth Day, it's a time for planting trees here at WABE as part of our member drive. When you donate to WABE today, a tree will be planted right here in Metro Atlanta. You can help power WABE and make Atlanta and the planet a little greener right now with your gift at wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. We're joined by City Light senior producer Kim Drobes. Kedro. Hello. This is one of my favorite matches that WABE does. Each donation today plants a native year-old tree selected by Trees Atlanta for their ability to grow in our region. It's Trees like dogwoods and magnolias, oaks and redbuds, and your gift at wabe.org slash donate makes it happen. Also, remember why you're here. It's because we are a news source that is credible, responsible, and civil. And here on City Lights, we are committed to bringing you the best arts and culture news in Atlanta. Help us out right now at wabe.org slash donate or give us a call. 678-553-9090. Thanks. My name is Paul Beach, and I live in Decatur. What I like about City Lights is they bring into the program not only people that I've heard of that are visiting Atlanta for various cultural events, whether it's humorous, plays, musicals, but um, they bring into light the inherent cultural scene in Atlanta that I probably otherwise never would have encountered. Thank you, Paul, for your thoughts about City Lights. And you may agree with Paul. I mean, how do you hear about 
what's new in arts and culture, perhaps from Fresh Air and Weekend Edition. But when it comes to Atlanta's arts and culture scene, one of the best sources is City Lights. We keep you informed on the latest exhibitions, who's performing at city's venues, what films to see at local festivals, what chefs are up to. In order to keep you informed, however, we ask that you consider making a donation, a contribution now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Thanks. And when you are considering that donation, how about also considering making it a sustaining gift of $10 a month? That seems to be the most comfortable level for most of our listeners, but hey, only you know what is right for you. The vast majority of our funding comes from the Atlanta community. It's about 84% of our funding. The rest comes from grants and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Here at WABE, we receive no state funding, so we rely on Metro Atlanta listeners like you for financial help. And your gift will help us seek to amplify the voices of all of Atlanta. So no matter how much you decide to give or how you decide to give, it will make a difference. 678-553-9090, or you can make your contribution at wabe.org slash donate. And thank you so much. With a new gift of $15 a month right now, you can get the fresh new WABE Amplifying Atlanta Tote Bag. It features illustrations of some of Atlanta's most iconic landmarks, along with beloved WABE hosts. And it was designed by Atlanta artist Fabian Williams. The modern design is complemented with a zippered top and an interior pocket for other essentials. That's at $15 a month or a one-time gift of $180. Plus, you'll automatically receive the PBS Streaming Service Passport. Please give monthly at wabe.org slash donate or phone 678-553-9090. Thanks. And a reminder that in honor of Earth Day today, every one of you who donates to WABE, a tree will be planted in your honor. Thanks to our partnership with Trees Atlanta. One donation equals one tree. We know how busy you are. Well, supporting WABE doesn't take a lot of time. When you click on the donate button at wabe.org, you go directly to our safe and secure giving page where you can quickly select a giving amount that's right for you, look at the thank you gifts we have to offer, and decide to become a sustainer or give a one-time gift. That's it. It takes just moments to complete the process. So please support this station you love right now with a contribution at wabe.org slash donate or Six seven eight five five three ninety ninety. Thanks. And remember, today is Earth Day, so your one donation equals one tree. You get a tree, and you get a tree. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. 
please just donate, wabe.org slash donate. This is in cooperation with our partners over at Trees Atlanta, and you can be part of this. Give us a call, 678-553-9090. Please take a moment and give now. Thanks. And now, Georgia gubernatorial candidate, voting rights activist, and prolific author, Stacey Abrams recently wrote her first children's book. Stacy's extraordinary words tells the story of a second grader whose love of language ends up teaching her life lessons in addition to words. When Abrams joined me via Zoom this past December, she explained why she wanted to write a children's book. I love children's literature. I grew up uh, the daughter of a librarian and my mom's subspecialty, she's a research librarian by training and her subspecialty was children's literature. So I literally grew up surrounded by books and using literally the appropriate way, sleeping in the stacks (laughs) and reaching for books about and for children. And they've always stayed with me as some of the most complex writing that one can do. And when given the opportunity to write my own picture book, I jumped at it. Well, the story feels so deeply personal. I felt like I was getting a window into your childhood. I was meeting little Stacy, who is adorable in these (laughs) illustrations, I must add. Not that you're not adorable now. So is this book a sort of memoir? less memoir and more using autobiography to launch the story. I did indeed participate in spelling bees as a child, but there was no one child named Jake. Jake is a bit of a composite. And the narrative about how important words have always been to me is absolutely true. I I didn't have my own book of extraordinary words, but I did collect words and used to love to look at them. Oh, well, I have long admired your work and was excited when this story came out because I was a retired spelling bee champ in grade five. There you go. My winning word was rhythm, which some of my classmates thought was unfair because I studied music and they just thought (laughs) of, she probably sees that on her music books, but it's a very particular love for words that has a spelling. You had me laughing out loud when the teacher, Mrs. Blakely, tells little Stacy about a spelling bee, and little Stacy thinks that's an unusually intelligent insect. There you go. So tell us about the little Stacy in the story. Stacy is in the second grade and she is having difficulty acclimating, but her teacher, her second grade teacher, Mrs. Blakesley, recognizes that she loves words and that those are friends, that this quiet child has turned to words to help her understand where she is. And by inviting her to participate in the spelling bee, she gives her a chance to use her superpower to present herself to the world. And Stacy thinks about how words have helped her, but also how she has not always lived up to the words that she believes in, that she hasn't done enough with her words 
to make a difference in the lives of her friends. Mm. Words are palpable beings in this book. Stacy thought that words understood her better than people did. And in addition to being objects of her affection, how did words help Stacy? For me, they were comfort, but they were also adventure. When my mother would say, go look it up, this was not a rhetorical statement. We had every reference book at our disposal. And thus I grew up looking upwards and I remember time and again, getting caught up reading, not just the word I was looking up, but looking at the words around it and looking up the reference words. I enjoyed immersing myself in not just the stories that words could tell, but the words themselves as their own passport. And so for little Stacy in the book, it's one of those ways to understand yourself when you're a kid, when you don't have the language to describe what's happening. But there are these little words that you hear or that you read about that suddenly explain what you're feeling, that mm. you're not just a little scared, you're petrified, that you're grumpy or you're anxious. And it's not only the word itself, but how the word sounds in your mouth and how it feels when you say it that help you create more context for what's going on around you. Mm. It's sensual the way you describe it. You're teaching words such as petrified. You mentioned onomatopoeia. It's another word that appears in the book. So you are increasing a child's vocabulary mm -hmm. within the context of this story. Was that intentional when you conceived the book? It was. There's a danger when you're writing children's literature, especially picture books, that you want to meet the child where the child is and you don't want to leave the child behind because your adult mind is moving too fast. But what I always appreciated as a kid and what my parents reinforced is that you don't leave someone behind, you bring them along with you. And so I use the story and the extraordinary illustrations by Kit Thomas to meet the child. And then I try to stretch their mind a little bit by adding a word they may not know. So uh, you know, I use the, the bird, the ptarmigan, because the P is silent. And it's a bird you normally wouldn't think of, but for a little kid, they suddenly have this new idea. They know what a bird is, and now they have a word and a construct that they can keep in their minds and impress their friends. <laughs> well, let's talk more about the illustrations. They are vibrant and whimsical and I was hoping you could tell us about working with the illustrator, Kit Thomas. I'm the first book that Kit has done for publication, and they did a masterful job of taking these concepts that I'd written about on paper and not just illustrating, but illuminating them. When I finally saw the first iteration, it was remarkable to me how these words on my page had jumped out at them and they had constructed this new world. But what was even more impressive to me was when I saw something that didn't reflect what I was thinking, I could send it back and say, this was not quite what I imagined. And I didn't have to provide too much explanation. The next iteration was exactly what I would have imagined if my imagination had been that vibrant. Hmm. 
they got you. I especially enjoyed the depiction of words at the spelling bee on the page. They look like they're choreographed, dancing. That is Kit. I came up with a list of words and I knew I wanted this cascade of words that showed the excitement of a spelling bee and the difference in the types of words, the rhythm to use your your championship word, (laughs) uh, the rhythm of a spelling bee on the page. And what Kit managed to do was, again, to, to, as you put it, to choreograph it and to give them such movement that they become characters themselves. Oh, so special. We'll, we'll return with more of my conversation with Stacey Abrams after a short break. First, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. Today, as part of our fundraiser, we are doing something good for the environment. Right now, with your gift to WABE, a tree will be planted in or around Atlanta thanks to our partnership with Trees Atlanta. So one gift to WABE equals one tree at wabe.org slash donate or 678-553-9090. I'm joined by City Light senior producer Kim Dropes. Lois, Trees Atlanta is so dang cool. Did you know that since they've been founded, which I think was like 1985, Trees Atlanta has planted and distributed over 150,000 trees. That's amazing. And I have heard, by the way, donations from WAB listeners have helped plant over 10% of all of those trees. That is that is an amazing, amazing number. It's like a WAB Atlanta forest coming out of here. Cool. You can be part of this year's efforts with a gift at wabe.org slash donate. And remember why you listen to WABE. It's to stay informed about our community. And today, your gift can help WABE flourish. wabe.org slash donate or give us a call 678-553-9090. Thanks. We know that millions of people listen to public radio every day, but what about the other super fans? Like Jake the dog, who is such a big fan of public radio that he listens every day. He is part shepherd, part husky, uh, about 65 pounds. He is quite chonky. He listens to NPR a good eight hours a day sometimes. And when his favorite show, All Things Considered, comes on, he sings along with the theme song. I'm Ari Shapiro, co-host of NPR's All Things Considered. Jake can't support the public radio that he loves, but you can. When you support this station, you ensure that everyone, including Jake, gets to keep enjoying the news that you rely on every day. Make a donation right now. Thanks. Okay, you can do just that at wabe.org slash donate. Is your animal companion a longtime listener to WABE? Well, maybe they're right beside you each morning when you tune into City Lights or part of your daily jog while you listen to our podcast. Since you have opposable thumbs, do your animal a favor 
and us by donating at wabe.org slash donate or calling 678-553-9090. It only takes a couple minutes. You'll make us happy, you happy, Jake the dog happy, every (laughs) other creature of every species who enjoys public radio. Thank you. I think we're barking up the right tree here. Yeah. (laughs) WABE's Kim Drobes has more about trees on this Earth Day. That's right. It is Earth Day, and that means that Trees Atlanta is basically matching donations today. So every donation that comes in, it doesn't matter the size, a tree will be planted in and around Atlanta. So let's say you donate 10 bucks a month. What does that really do for WABE? Well, Morning Edition is on the air because thousands of people started their sustaining memberships in a past fundraiser. It, it really does add up. So in order to bring you Morning Edition and All Things Considered, WABE pays a fee to NPR. Believe it or not, it comes out to more than $4,000 every day. Every day! And that's just for the news magazine shows. We rely on your gift to pay this cost. In fact, 84% of all of our funding comes from right here in Atlanta. So please don't put this off. WABE.org slash donate or give us a call 678-553-9090. And remember your one donation right now equals one more tree for Atlanta at WABE.org slash donate. Thanks to you and our partners at Trees Atlanta. You can also be a part of the giving by phone at 678-553-9090. Thank you. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Great to have you along. If you are just joining us, we've been listening back to my December conversation with Stacey Abrams, the Georgia gubernatorial candidate and voting rights activist, is also a prolific author, and we've been discussing her first children's book, Stacey's Extraordinary Word. Little Stacy wishes she could use her clever words to help the kids at school who are being bullied. What does this story say about having the courage to speak up? I wanted to do two things. One is acknowledge the instinct to help and to acknowledge that sometimes we don't do what we know we should, that Stacy made a mistake or simply didn't have the courage of her own convictions. And 
that's okay if you remedy it. If you stumble, it's okay as long as you try to succeed the second time. If you don't speak up on someone's behalf, yes, you should acknowledge it, but the next time you have a chance, you should do it. And I wanted Stacy and, and all of the little readers to know that it's okay if you don't do everything you should, because you have a chance to do it the next time. And yet you confess that writing this story tapped into something you love most, reading and writing and words, and fear of failing. I think it's very important to impart to kids that that's okay. And it seems your parents did that. Absolutely. My first spelling bee, much as uh, my character, we misspelled different words, but my first public failure was to misspell the word chocolate. I did not realize it had a second O. I'd never noticed it. I knew there was no K, but the second O eluded me. And I remember the, the sense of failure. What was so important to me in the book is that when Stacy's mother says there's always next year, there's another spelling bee, to think about the fact that you don't have to wait for another cinematic moment for success, that your chance to be better is tomorrow. And that failure isn't permanent. It is an opportunity to learn. It's going to be painful. It can be humiliating, especially if it happens on a national stage. But that it is also an invitation to try again. And for younger kids, being told early that, yes, success and failure are two very distinct parts in our lives, but neither are guarantees. Mm. And that achieving one or not achieving the other is not a comment on who you are. It's just a chance for you to try again. That to me was something that my parents very much instilled in us as we struggled growing up. But it was also how they lived their lives that our failure to be all of the things we read about did not mean that we couldn't get there one day. It was just going to require a new type of effort and perseverance and resilience. Hmm. Great words, by the way. I think one of those, or both, are in the book. Yes. <laughs> in the author's note, we learned that there was a real-life Mrs. Blakely, the second-grade teacher. Would you talk about her impact on you at the time you moved into her class? If you remember being a first-grader, it's your opening invitation to being in the big kids school. You come out of kindergarten, you're in, in first grade. And I went to school before kindergarten was a part of the elementary school. So I was that was my first time in the big, big kids school. I'd only been there for a few weeks, maybe a month when I was skipped to the next grade. But it was after I'd found my friends, after I'd gotten used to my teacher, after I'd figured out the, the way and the cadence of my days, and suddenly I'm being taken out of that space and put into a new one with unfamiliar children in an unfamiliar classroom. And Miss Blakesley saw me and understood that I was quiet and awkward and unsure of myself. And she gave me permission during recess to read instead of going outside because recess, we remember it fondly, but recess is it's war. You're, you're trying to find kids to play I with. I don't remember yeah. it fondly. I would much rather, I believe in the great indoors. Yes, basically. exactly. And, and so I didn't know these kids and I didn't want to 
I didn't know their games, but I knew books and I knew that books were always going to be kind to me. And so she let me read. And that I think allowed me to acclimate at my own pace. And then when she put me in the spelling bee, it was also a recognition that what had moved me into this new space wasn't a flaw. It was a good thing. My my love of language, my ability to spell had been something I was teased for. And this was a celebration. It was a celebration of being able to think. And too often we we may idolize it, but we don't always celebrate and encourage it in ways that are accessible to kids. And spelling bees are one of those ways. And that, that was it for me. I hope that experience was not so traumatic as to turn you off from chocolate. It did not. And I will Good. say Mrs. Blakesley was the epitome of what you want a second grade teacher to be. She was thoughtful and kind. And when I misspelled chocolate, she never made me spell it on a test again, but I never misspelled the word ever in life. And now I can do it in French without the E, but always with the O. <laughs> they do make very good chocolate. Exactly. Chocolat. exactly. Oui. The dedication is beautiful. Would you tell us more about it or read it for our listeners? Certainly. So the dedication is to my family. I dedicate all of my, my books. So to my first storytellers, mom and dad, to my bibliophile siblings all, and to our newest generation of readers, Jordan, Faith, Cameron, Ryan, Aaron, and Devin. Uh, those are my nieces and nephews. The important piece for me though, is to start it with my parents. They are the ones who encouraged me to read and who nurtured not just a love of stories, but a love of words. My mother as a librarian and in sharp contrast, my father who was undiagnosed as dyslexic until he was in his thirties, but who still loved stories so much that he would tell us these vibrant and vivid stories and would encourage us to read something he couldn't do very well himself, but he understood how transformative it could be for us. And between the two of them, they created a family that reads everything. So my five brothers and sisters and I, to this day, we have a family book club that we use to share books and to swap stories and to just stay together. What book are you currently reading? We are reading Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Oh, wow. I read that you're an omnivore when it comes to pleasure reading. Yes. And I'd like to read this quote. I approach reading as I do my public service, trying to create space for forgiveness and grace while never letting go of my own moral code. Do you think in these divisive times that people should be reading more about what people unlike them are writing? Absolutely. I just yesterday was reading a critique <laughs> of me, but the author, they referenced the author's other works. And I, I bought the book because I want to read about this other way of thinking. My thought process is my approach should always be informed by my value system, but it should also always be informed by an attempt to understand someone not like myself. 
when we lean on our own understanding, it becomes calcified, but it also makes service impossible. How can you serve someone you don't respect and don't understand? I may not agree, but I need to understand where we have shared experiences that suddenly diverge and how we want those experiences to be replicated or how we want those values to be lived. During my tenure as a writer and as a public servant, I've tried very hard to always not only engage those who don't agree with me, but to go out of my way to be of service because actions not only speak louder sometimes than words, although I think words do a pretty good job of it, but actions can reinforce the words we say. It is not sufficient to say, I believe in all of our people if you're not going to operate in that way. And for me, it's not a either or, it is a both and. My words have to reflect my values and my actions have to reflect my words. Stacey Abrams. More information about her children's book, Stacey's Extraordinary Words, is on our website, wabe.org. In a moment, we'll hear what's in store for this weekend's Inman Park Parade and Festival. But first, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Wrights as we're in our spring member drive. And we're partnering with Trees Atlanta today, which means your one donation equals one tree planted right here in Metro Atlanta. Please be a part of this year's effort at wabe.org slash donate. I'm joined by City Light senior producer, Kim Dropes. You know, we here at WABE obviously adore Trees Atlanta, and here's a little bit of history for you. Ten years ago, back in 2012, Trees Atlanta volunteers planted the WABE treed seedlings along the Ponce de Leon end of Freedom Parkway. Today, Oh my gosh, can you see the difference? We've got before and after photos that you can look at on our Instagram account, which is at WABEATL. Please take a moment to give to the 2022, oh, I forgot what year it was. Please take a moment, give to the 2022 Trees Atlanta effort at WABE.org slash donate. And remember why you listen, isn't it also for City Lights and the stories that we like to cover that meet that intersection of art and the environment. Earlier this week, we talked to Ranger Robbie from Arabia Mountain, and today we get to celebrate Earth Day with you. Please give at wabe.org slash donate or give us a call 678-553-9090. My name is Joya Sloan, and I live in Midtown in Atlanta. The first time I gave to WABE, I felt a little bit of relief because it had been on my mind. The minute I parked my car when I got to work, I pulled out my phone and I did it. Because when I will listen to the drive, I really want to and then I don't get to it. So I just did it literally on the first day this time. And I felt really good. Joya, thank you so much for your gift and for getting around to doing it. We know you are busy. You've been meaning to give, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because you find insight and clarity here from what we air. You also get depth and perspective. Joya didn't tell us how long it took her to donate, but we can assure you it only takes a few minutes to do so. 
online at wabe.org or by calling 678-553-9090. Thank you. And it is Trees Atlanta Match Day. So for every donation, a tree will be planted in our area. You can make a gift anytime at wabe.org. If this is your first time giving, maybe consider giving a monthly sustaining gift. We found that a lot of our new sustainers choose a gift of around $10 a month. And we would love it if you also chose to give at that level or as generously as you're able to at wabe.org slash donate. Tens of thousands of Atlanta listeners have decided to fund this station, which helps us amplify the voices of Atlanta. And the response we get is really important because 84% of our funding comes from Metro Atlanta. We need you. Please give what you can today at wabe.org slash donate Or please give us a call, 678-553-9090. And remember that as you're thinking of giving to WABE, there is an amount that's right for you. Even if you give a one-time gift now, that is great. While sustaining monthly donations are best for us, they might not fit everyone. So... Giving because you find value in what you hear on the station is what matters. Please donate now at wabe.org or with a call to 678-553-9090. And remember, your one donation right now equals one tree for Atlanta at wabe.org slash donate. This happens thanks to you and our partners, of course, over at Trees Atlanta. You can be a part of this now by giving over the phone at 678-553-9090. Please take a moment and give now. Thank you. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. Two miles east of downtown Atlanta is the city's first planned residential suburb. Inman Park, Crog Street Market, Little Five Points, Variety Playhouse, and Revolution Donuts are just a few of Atlanta's treasures that reside in this eclectic neighborhood. After two years of cancellation, the 50th Inman Park Festival is back with a weekend of music, artists, markets, and entertainment. Joining me now via Zoom to talk more about the Southeast's largest street art festival is Karen Heim, organizer of the Inman Park Festival Parade, with Susan Clifton, creator of the Big Mask Project, featured in the parade each year. Welcome to City Lights. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Aside from the Tour of Homes event tonight, the Inman Park Festival is free and open to the public. Why was the festival initially created? Inman Park was started in 1889, and by the 1950s, the historic homes had fallen into disrepair. Junk cars had lined the streets, and the lake in Springville Park was filled with garbage. Mm. Urban decay had taken hold. 
1971, Inman Park created the Spring Festival and invited their fellow Lantons to come and check out their homes that they were renovating. And when we say renovating, I mean, some had holes in the floors. And as this courageous group of pioneers started the renovation, they they invited their friends and neighbors to come and see their neighborhood revitalization. Mm. And that's how it started. Karen, I read that in 2020 and 2021, you created two impromptu parades during the pandemic. And You've been an organizer of the Inman Park Festival Parade for the last 11 years. What is it about parades that make you feel more connected to the community? It brings so many people together, different groups. It gives people an outlet for their creativity. Would you share the story about Congressman John Lewis riding in the parade in a 1964 Ford Falcon? When he started participating in the parade, uh, a, a woman by the name of Leslie Kipling had this white Ford Falcon, and she offered it for him to ride in. And he was delighted because his preference was to ride in in an American-made vehicle. And so every year that he was in town, which was most of the time, he rode in the parade. And the year that he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom, he was our Grand Marshal. So Leslie passed away in 2018, much too young, and her children, Zach and Zoe, approached me and said that they still had their mom's car and that they would like to drive Mr. Lewis. And I get emotional thinking about it because I was so touched. And so Mr. Lewis was able to ride in the parade the last year, 2019, in that car. And we had a little tribute banner to uh, Leslie on the back of it. And in fact, the kids are going to drive Nikea Williams in the parade this year. And, you know, that's our nod to him. That's a beautiful tribute. Susan, how did you come up with the idea for the Big Mask Project? Oh, the Big Mask Project started with my son, Paul, wanting a big mask for a costume. And we had such fun making that big mask together that when I came into a quantity of large flat screen TV boxes, I decided to start making big masks myself. After I got a big group of boxes together, I rented a studio and got to work on them. Can you describe their appearance and walk us through how you create these masks? Well, they all start with a corrugated cardboard box and they are various sizes. Those first ones were big flat screen boxes but they're all different sizes and shapes of cardboard boxes at the beginning. And for the most part, I just kind of live with the box until it, till I decide what it's going to be. I have a car seat box that took several years to finally decide this is a puppy. So oh. it became a puppy. <laughs> and um, I build them out with cardboard, with corrugated cardboard for uh, the different parts that are added on and then cover them with bright colored construction paper soaked in glue and a kind of a paper mache process. So they're all brightly colored and 
easy to wear on the shoulders of the volunteers that carry them. And you want parade onlookers to be able to see the mask wearers, correct? Yeah, it's very, very intentionally made so that the people inside the masks can be seen by the people who are viewing the parades and they communicate. You know, I've had great little quick conversations with people as I go by. They respond, first they see the mask and then they see the person inside and then they return to the mask. And people really enjoy shouting out things and shouting back uh, from the inside the masks. So I want that kind of interaction between the, the marchers and the and the crowds. Oh, it's great. It's like pulling back the curtain, except in this case, you don't have to pull, and it's a colorful, imaginative mask. I saw that children can participate in carrying the masks as well. How do you create masks for the younger participants? When their parents want to come and and march and they have a child that that they think would enjoy it. We've had a few children and I made first the shopping cart dragon for uh, the children of friends who had marched for many years and built a dragon head on top of a shopping cart so that their parents could push them in the parade. And that it's had to have a lot of work done on it to make it function well, but finally I think it does function pretty well. And then the last parade that I did, I have a four-year-old granddaughter, and I made an anglerfish mask to go on her stroller so that she could ride in the parade uh, pushed by her mother. That was a lot of fun, and I, I hope that she'll be in the Inman Park Parade for the first time this year. Do you add new masks each year? Most years, there's a new mask or two. I spend a good bit of time in between refurbishing and repairing masks as well. But yeah, usually there's a new mask or two. Do you have any particular favorites? I like so many of them. I love the Golden Girl. I just think she's a she's a big, happy, smiling girl with yellow curls and uh, lots of makeup, kind of a party girl. So she's a lot of fun. And um, Chicken Head kind of speaks to our angst in these times. There's a half-grown white chicken perched on the top of the mask's head, and the guy is kind of in distress, but not frighteningly so. (laughs) Susan, I hope you'll have the golden girl in the parade this year, because that's exactly the, you know, 50th anniversary. It will be, the golden girl would be perfect for that. I will bring her, I, as the, um, the group of masks is, kind of curated by the people who come to volunteer to carry them. Ah. And so Golden Girl is a pretty big mask. And we have a few people who enjoy carrying her. So if one of those comes, we'll, she'll certainly be available. We're oh, always wow. looking for new volunteers. And the big mask project must have taken on added meaning with the pandemic I saw there are over 30 musicians performing at this year's festival. Who are a few of the headliners? We have three music stages, Michelle Malone, Puddle's Pity Party, who will also be in the parade, Swimming Pool Cues, 
we have the GSU Faculty Jazz Quartet, and mm -hmm. we'll also have Balalaika Fantasy featuring Ukrainian music this year, and that's the music stages. And, we'll, and the parade will have the Seed and Feed Marching Abominable, the Atoll Highlanders Pipes and Drums Band, Atlanta Freedom Marching Band, and Lakeside High School Marching Bands, and Midtown High School Marching Bands will also be participating in the parade. So that's lots of music over the weekend. And I saw this is the 20th anniversary of the Inman Park Dance Festival. Yes, that is an event that Carolyn Stein McLaughlin started 20 years ago. She single-handedly brought this dance festival, and it too is also free and open to the public. It's on Saturday and Sunday at four o'clock in the Trolley Barn. The shows present both classical ballet and modern dance, and that's not something that you usually see. The, the troops that will be performing will be Atlanta Historic Dance, Ethnic, Full Radius Dance, the Georgia Ballet, Immerse ATL, and Movement Arts Atlanta. And it's going to span 350 years of concert dance. Karen Heim, the organizer of the Inman Park Festival Parade, and Susan Clifton, creator of the Big Mask Project. The Inman Park Festival Tour of Homes begins today. The festival will be tomorrow and Sunday. And don't forget to look for WABE in the parade this year. More information can be found on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. This is City Lights. I'm Lois Reitzes. We're in our spring member drive. And it's important because your gift today powers the programs you enjoy. And today your gift goes even further in honor of Earth Day. We're partnering with Trees Atlanta. So your one gift plants one tree right here in Atlanta. Please be a part of the effort at wabe.org slash donate. I'm joined by City Light senior producer Kim Drobes. To give everyone some background, since we started this partnership with Trees Atlanta back in 2010, yeah, 2010, WABE listeners have helped plant more than 17,000 tree seedlings all over the metro Atlanta area. That's like a big WABE listener forest, and you can be a part of that. Today is Earth Day, so remember why you listen to NPR. It keeps you in the know, it teaches you new things, and it gives you a deeper understanding. Your gift makes it all possible, and today, it also makes Atlanta a little bit greener. Please give wabe.org slash donate or with a call, 678-553-9090. Thanks. Your donation does so much to help WABE help our community. And while we talk about how your contribution fits into our budget, it's important to consider just how it can fit into your budget. Most donors give around $10 a month. What does that look like to you? It may be the equivalent of a monthly video or music streaming service, a couple of cups of premium coffee, 
an impulse buy at the checkout counter, or a light lunch. And with 84% of funding coming from this community, 84% of our funding comes from the community. Your donation right now during City Lights will really help us in our efforts to amplify the voices of Atlanta. Please call 678-553-9090 or donate online at wabe.org. Thank you. My name is Brinston Williams, and I'm from Suwannee, Georgia. So the reason that I'm donating is because I was listening to a broadcast on a fundraiser. I loved everything about what it was giving me, but I was on the sidelines, and I wasn't contributing to the bottom line. So after I did it, I kind of felt like a, a member of the team. It was a good feeling inside about knowing that I was a contributing member, and I was part of bringing that product to life. Thank you, Princeton and Swanee, for joining Team WABE. Why not transform yourself from a public radio listener to a public radio supporter, too, and join this small but mighty team at City Lights by donating online at wabe.org slash donate or calling 678-553-9090. It's Earth Day. People around the globe today join together to promote awareness for the health of our environment. WABE adds to your personal environment. And today, right now, joining WABE supports the outdoor environment around Greater Atlanta. City Light senior producer Kim Drobes has more. Today is the day. Your donation right now equals one tree for Atlanta at wabe.org slash donate. This is in thanks to our partners over at Trees Atlanta. Give us a call, 678-553-9090. Please take a moment and give now. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Catch an encore broadcast tonight at 9. Monday at 11 a.m., we'll hear about Illuminarium's latest immersive experience, George O'Keefe, 100 Flowers. City Light senior producer is Kim Trobe. Summer Evans is our producer, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzis. Connect with us on social media at WABE City Lights on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. Thanks to WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org slash donate. And thanks.